Welcome to the Steady On Podcast, where God's hard truth meets your hard story. I'm Angie Bauman, and this is episode 121, Thirsty. With me today is speaker and best-selling award-winning author, Hannah C. Hall. Friend, this is one of those interviews that I wish I could share with you what happened before and after, because every once in a while, I feel a special connection with a guest. Not because I don't love all my guests, I do, and I learn from every single one of them, but sometimes I sit in a Zoom call with a woman who loves and respects the Word of God and holds it with tender, passionate care as she teaches it, and that is exactly what I found in Hannah Seahall. Hannah is branching out with something new in her work. After writing children's books for years and having a lot of success with that, God began to invite her to change lanes. The process was uncomfortable and even painful, but it has also brought Hannah into deeper appreciation and belief of God's promises. And in that, she is tasting the abundance of life Jesus promises to his followers. Our verse is a promise that both Hannah and I hold on to dearly, sometimes hold on to for dear life even. And it is found in Romans 8, 1. Listen to these straightforward words from the HCSB. Therefore, no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus. It does not matter where you've been or what you've done, what you've idolized or in what you've become entangled. Jesus offers freedom from it. He offers rest and joy and peace. He offers life and life abundantly for all who sit with him, hear his call, and choose him. Let's listen in. Hello, Steady On community, and welcome into this podcast episode. I'm Angie Bauman, and with me today is my guest, Hannah C. Hall. Hannah, welcome to the Steady On community. Thank you so much for having me, Angie. I'm delighted to have you because you are, ri- be I, I, you are writing about God's word and meditating on God's word. And that is just, that's my happy place. And so awesome. I'm yeah. so excited to have this conversation with you. And I know that your hope in this is that we would experience a more abundant life with Jesus. And so I'm just going to ask you right off the bat, how do you describe an abundant life? What does that mean mm-hmm. to you? Yeah, that's a good question. I was really thinking about that. And God's word is so full of promises for us. You know, that the obvious answer, of course, Jesus says that I've come that they'll have life and have it to the full or have yeah. it abundantly. So what does that mean? Um, and obviously we can think about all those promises that God makes to us in his word. Um, you know, um, a, a prayer life that's powerful and effective faith that moves mountains, you know, joy in, in our circumstances, no matter what they are. And the list goes on and on. And I started thinking about, you know, if you, if you sum up all these promises that we have, I think we live abundantly when we believe those promises and we act like it, Yeah, you know, it's like, it's not just this, this thing we read. And then we set aside, that's not abundance. I've been there, you know, where it didn't make any difference to my daily life. What I read in God's word, I, I read it, but I didn't, I didn't store it. I didn't believe it. I didn't hide it in my heart. And then I didn't live like it and act like it. And when we start believing, no, I, I can have joy in this trial because I know that, uh, you know, trials produce perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope and hope doesn't disappoint. And so when you believe it, it changes everything. And so I really think we get to live abundantly when we finally start believing God's word and acting like we believe it being changed by it. 
That is so powerful. What a powerful way to start. What do you think? I agree with you 110%. We say we believe it. Mm -hmm. We do. And I think we do believe it, but then there's this gap between believing it and applying it or living, as you said, by it. What do you think? What gets in there and creates that gap for us? Or what maybe what have you experienced has created yeah. that gap for you. Cause you said I right. read it and, and believed yeah. it, but didn't store it or live by it. What, where's that? It's like a gap, yeah. but it's like a it is. canyon, yeah. you know, it is. And it, and it felt, I, I came to a point in my life where I asked myself the question, what is the point in reading this every day? If I'm not going to believe it and be changed by it. And that was a scary question to ask because you know, that the, how you land on that is pretty important. I mean, I could, I could have said, oh, well, I'm not going to mess with it then if my life is not, if it doesn't do me any good, you know, even though we know God's word is powerful and, you know, it's, it's sharp and it's, it's, it's to the point, you know, it's what God wants to say to us. This is important, but if we're not changed by it. So, so I had to look on the other side of that. Okay. If I'm not living in abundance, is the problem on Jesus's end or my end? Well, no, it's not on Jesus's end. There's no error in here. And so it has to, the problem is on my end. And I think that problem for me, and maybe not for everybody, but for me is it boils down to disbelief. Like, I mean, it's just a mat. It's, it was like, I'm, I'm reading it, but I'm not really believing it because if I'm really believing it, then it affects everything about my daily life. I mean, it really does. When we believe that he is so generous with us, when he tells us he's going to throw open the storehouses, when we give generously, if we don't ever give generously, we don't get to see the storehouses being thrown open. You know, um, there's so many promises, but we've got to step out in faith. If we don't uh, take that risk that we feel like he's calling us to, we never get to see the part where he moves mountains for us. You know, so I really think disbelief is, at least for me, that was the disconnect. I was, I was reading God's word, but I wasn't believing it and acting like it. You use the word risk. And I want to, I want to camp out right there for a second, because I agree. I think that's the thing. I think believing it Mm -hmm. invites us or requires us to take a risk. And I'm wondering where did you find yourself? Not weary. What's the word I'm looking for? Hesitant, maybe Mm -hmm. to take a risk. Was there a promise, a characteristic of God that you really wanted to believe, but it was just too scary to, to step forward and say, yes, I am going to give generously, whatever that looks like in your life. Right. Well, I mean, for me personally, it's looked, you know, it's been a financial thing where it's like, you know, you're, you're a young married and you've got some kids and it's like, we know we're supposed to be, be offering tithes and offerings, like, you know, not just our 10%, but even more of our time, of our money. There's a lot, lot of ways that comes into play. And when you're not feeling abundant financially, it's hard to step out and give a little bit more. But I mean, I, we have seen God return and then some in the most creative ways when we don't limit him, when it's like, no, I can't give this much because then I won't have that much. We're limiting God and what he can do in our lives. Instead of like, God is crazy creative with how he can bless us with time, with finances, with, you know, our, our small offerings of our talents, our giftings. Um, when I started writing, it was a big deal for me because I, I felt like God wanted me to take a a children's book to a, you know, to a writer's conference. I had young kids at home. It was going to be expensive. And that was a real risk for me at that time. And I mean, God just, 
he was incredibly kind. He knew, he saw that my heart desired to please him. And I, I, I wanted to trust, but I was scared to death, but he blessed abundantly beyond what I could have asked or imagined. And that's how he does things. Cause he's a good father. Um, so I think we really limit ourselves when we don't give him the chance to show us his, his, uh, provision and taking a risk is required in that. Yeah. I love what you say about how he's crazy creative in the way that he shows up. I think that's just gorgeous. I love how you said that. I, it, when you were talking about going to a writer's conference, I'd love to hear more about that. But I, the first writer's conference I went to, I had worked on a book proposal. I did not have a big platform. I really wasn't mm-hmm. ready at all. Um, I did never met with an agent before and I signed up for an appointment, but I was put on a wait list and I went there with all this expectation. I didn't really know, like, how would I learn if I actually get an appointment and all this stuff. And when I didn't get an appointment at that conference, I was pretty like down, right. Because I was like, what am I even doing? I worked all this time. I, you know, I'm sure you've been there where you're like, wait a second, what is all this for? And I had the sweetest, like crazy creative way that God, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, because I felt like he just like pulled the curtain back for a moment for me. And allowed my heart to understand that he was so serious about my moving forward in this, but my Mm -hmm. heart was too tender for the rejection Mm -hmm. and I just wasn't ready. And so actually not getting the appointment was so much protection and provision right. for me, you know, right. but he's a good father. He is he so good and kind. And I remember sitting in my hotel room, just weeping because mm-hmm. I'm like, I didn't come all this way as a waste. It wasn't a waste. Right. It just is a step, you know? And right. I, I don't know, it gave me so much more grace with myself and mm-hmm. trust in him, mm-hmm. but it's not at all like the fancy story that we'd be like, and I went and I got the appointment and I got right. the contract and like, you know, like, right. that's like the story, but I'm like, it was just, it was probably better actually. Yes. I know it yes. was, it, it was yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Cause uh, it was better. personalized for you. Exactly. He knows what he's doing with each of us. It's exactly. he's so personalized mm-hmm. and that's where we get to see his creativity and how yeah. he provides for us specifically. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So you talked about going to a writer's conference and presenting a children's book. And I know you have over 30, am I right? Children's book on the market. So that's kind of been your lane and writing on scripture and meditating in scripture. It seems like from an outside perspective, a pretty big shift. So I'm wondering, would you talk to us a little bit about what prompted that shift? What's been happening in your heart that was like, this is where I need to write what I need to write about now. Right. Well, when I started in children's books, I didn't intend on being an author in all at all. That's a whole other story of God, you know, just kind of swooping in and changing things yes. in ways I didn't expect in good ways. Um, but once I got started, I had really steady work um, for like uh, eight years, let's say, where I was, I always had something to be working on in the children's book realm. God really blessed me with um, working with some great publishers. And I had, you know, sort of a, a, a constant thing to do. And I felt like, great, I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing next. God just keeps providing. And then all of a sudden that stopped. I mean, it just sort of dried up for a while. There was this long lag time when I didn't have a project to work on. I didn't have anything coming in the future. It, I was suddenly totally confused about what I was supposed to be doing. And it seemed like God was silent. You know, my prayers were not being answered that I, you know, I need to know what's next. I want to be productive for you, Lord. I want to, um, what's the next children's book. And during that lag time, which was several months that were really pretty miserable. Um, my good friend and agents suggested, why don't you try writing for women? I had written on a blog, a weekly blog, um, you know, a while back. And so it wasn't totally out of my 
range, but it, when she suggested a devotional, I was like, no way, no, that's not, that's not for me. Um, and I came back to it though, because I, again, the silence continued, it seemed, and I started playing with the idea and there is, um, there's nothing wrong at all with devotionals. There are some incredible devotionals out there, but I had not had good experience with them. And so that just wasn't the way I did my quiet time. And so when she suggested that, it just didn't feel natural at all to me. You know, it wasn't my preferred method of, of studying the Bible. But as I started thinking about it, I said, well, what is my preferred method? And my preferred method is I find a verse or a short, you know, passage, and I just meditate on that as long as it takes and sometimes it takes me a while, you know, I want to get everything out of that, that I, I can, I want to study it. I want to understand its context. I want to give God time to speak to me through it. I want to take it apart. And I started thinking, how could that be, you know, melded into a devotional study? Cause maybe that could work. And I felt the Lord really gave me grace to suddenly see one day, ah, this is how I can do that. This is how I can take the way I like to do it and try out a devotional. And so that's what I started working on. And I mean, praise God, it was picked up pretty quickly by a publisher once I put out that proposal. And so, you know, it was like, as a word of encouragement to those who are in those seasons of waiting, it is, God is at work. You know, that's not a time when he's actually being silent. He's setting the pieces in place. He's working in your heart. He's, um, you know, he really was caring for me in there, even though I felt like he was being distant, Yeah. you know, it was, it was a total shift, but it was, it wouldn't have happened had I not had that big old gap of silence from God yes. or what and felt like. I silence. love, I love what you're saying about silence. And it's making me think about times when I've heard from other people and I've experienced myself, maybe a time of silence with God that feels not kind, right? Like it feels exactly like he's ignoring you or he's not listening. But I think I'd be curious your thoughts on this. I think that silence actually invites us to lean in all the more because mm -hmm. it like sort of makes us get quiet and really listen for the next step. Exactly. Cause I did think sometimes this, what comes after the silence is a shift, right. but what we need that time of almost like desperation, you yeah. know, to be like, okay, I'm listening to whatever you have to say, cause right. this is real uncomfortable. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It forces us to just listen. I mean, just wait, just be patient, just pray. It, it forces a type of depth that we may not have wanted to go to if we stayed, you know, I like to stay productive. I like to stay busy. Oh yes. And if I can do that, then I don't have to go real deep. Right. You know, if right. I can just, yeah. Cause it must <laughs> be fine. Yeah. 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 I must be doing fine. what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. So, so what, during that time of silence before the shifting, if you will, what was, what were your study habits like that? Cause you weren't right then you weren't writing this. So mm -hmm. you were, I'm guessing, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm guessing that like silence from the, the book, the children's book, lane, if you will, uh, mm -hmm. probably was hurtful or, or unsettling at least. Yeah. And so to me, I'm like, there's a little bit of identity here, right? Cause we all do that. Like we know where to get our identity in Christ, but we can't help it when something's going well in our lives that brings yeah. us affirmation and identity. And so yes. I'm wondering uh, you're nodding. And so I think that's probably, that was uh, something that you experienced. What was that like for you? And like, how did you, how, what, how did you talk to him when you felt like he wasn't really talking to you yet? 
Yeah. It was a very disappointing. I mean, I felt very disappointed, mm. yeah. you know, and it did hurt my feelings. I yes. mean, that's kind of the, the feeling I get towards God is that well, yes, it's hurting my feelings, yes. you know, yeah. um, especially I'm working for you. And so yeah. why are we here? Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm wanting mm-hmm. to do this for you. Why yeah. do you not give me some direction? Mm-hmm. And, um, I really had to, I mean, if you could read my journals, it would be just a, <laughs> probably comical, uh, but uh, you can see the train of thought of finally getting to the point where it was like, God, if, if I'm not going to write another children's book, that's your will. You know, you, I really had to work through, it was an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head there. It was, I had placed my identity in, in these books yeah. and in having constant work. And so obviously while God was setting up the pieces for a new type of writing, he was also dealing with an idol that had been, I had created in my heart of like, this is who I am. I'm a children's book author in the Christian realm. I like it here. I'm and uh, I like who I am here. And he really had to crumble that. Mm. And it was painful, you know, but it, it, but it allowed me such freedom from worshiping something that could not ever bring me satisfaction and joy. Hey friend, I'm cutting in here to let you know about a new resource I'm calling steady steps, where I'll be offering personalized guidance for your spiritual practices. You know, sometimes we feel alone in this Christian walk. No, no, we're not alone, but it can certainly feel that way. Maybe we are part of a faith community, but we still lack a connected relationship with someone who can sit with us and listen to us and offer things that will help us increase our intentionality in our walk with Jesus. In nearly 20 years of pastoral ministry and Bible teaching, I've enjoyed lunch or tea with dozens of women who share with me that they want more in their relationship with Jesus, but don't know the next steps to take. It has been and is my joy to offer practical tips for a deeper connection with Him by sharing pieces of my journey and spiritual disciplines that work for me. We can't sit at my local Panera and chat, I know that, but I can invite you into a Zoom room for a free 15-minute call. Together, we'll evaluate your spiritual habits and practices to decide what is and isn't helping you connect with Jesus based on the fundamentals of a Christian walk. In our time together, I will create a safe space for you to assess your current relationship with Jesus, decide what you want moving forward, and and to take those next steady steps. Experiencing a deep connection with Jesus holds the extraordinary gifts of freedom and healing and comfort and hope. Christ offers that to you. He offers that to all of us, and we only need to dedicate ourselves to knowing Him more. I would love to help you develop a personalized plan to spend time with the one who calls you by name and claims you as his own. That's Isaiah 43, 1. I hope that you will click the link in today's show notes to learn more. And now, back to the show. I really appreciate you sharing that with us because I think I, I look at you and the work that you've done. I see a woman who wants to please God, who wants to serve him, who loves him with her heart. And you're able to share with us today how easy it is to get distracted, even, mm-hmm. even in the ministry, even mm-hmm. in the trying to do it. And that doesn't mean it didn't have, I, there are tons of good, good fruit from your work. And, um, and it doesn't mean that our calling is wrong when God shifts our calling, you know, it means we've grown to a place that he's called us to something else, but it is painful 
it is so painful. I remember that when I left the first church that I was serving, I've been a local church pastor almost 20 years now. And when God called me away from that first church, I'd been there nine years, things were going fine. I was very comfortable there. That's the key. I was very comfortable there, you know, and I did not know that I had stopped depending on him. I did not know that I had stopped uh, asking him even, I mean, I was just sort of like, they like me. I like them. I'll stay here forever. It's fine. And he wants something more when we get to a point, this is what I think when we get to a point where we're like, Hey, I can do this. He's like, well, it's time to go somewhere else. Then (laughs) Famous last words. (laughs) It's time then to move to something else. So I would love to get into kind of how you do this. Then what are some practices that you use you said you like to camp on a verse of scripture that you like mm-hmm. to just glean as everything you can. I, I envision this like ring it dry sort of yeah, thing. So what exactly. is that? Yeah. So what is that like for you? Cause I will tell you those that are listening, um, some of them will know, cause they do this with me every week. I pick a verse, uh, and it's from this podcast episode mm-hmm. and we will camp on that verse all week. All my social yeah. media is around it. I do a study sheet. I have a Bible study method called step-by-step where we, uh, focus on one verse and then we use one one word and that one verse to mm-hmm. find life application. And so something from this will be a seed for the week that this drops. Yeah, and, awesome. um, and so like, yeah, we ring it dry here too. Yeah. So yeah, you're talking to your people. So what does that look like? How do you ring it dry? Yeah. Well, I had to come at it with a perspective being a product you know, wanting to be a productive person, reading the Bible is not a race to the finish. You know, I'm like, we're not ever going to get to the end of it. It's a well that never is going to run dry. So why not just sit there? Yeah. And so, um, I mean, it's been trial and error, obviously, but I really do. Um, I find a verse that God has already, maybe he's brought it to mind. Maybe the pastor spoke on it, you know, somehow it triggered something in me. I want to understand that better. And I do, uh, I work on memorizing it. So while I'm studying it, I'm also work on working on hiding it in my heart so that it's there, you know, forever. And, um, I do study context because I want to make sure, you know, that I'm not taking anything out of context. So I will read the surrounding chapters. I will, um, use commentaries. Uh, I know that sometimes that can be overwhelming, but, uh, you know, finding a commentary that you enjoy that sheds a little bit of light on it. So you're not on your own. Of course, scripture is the best commentary on scripture. So I'm always looking up any reference that it's including, and, but I'm really just praying on it and chewing on what does this mean? What is God wanting to say to me through this? You know, obviously there's an original audience that, what was he saying to them? Is it different? You know? And so there's, when we brush past scripture, when we read it one day and it's in one ear and out the other, and we don't ever go back, we don't ever get to soak it in for, I mean, I have been amazed how a, 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 a verse of a five words can, can satisfy me for days and days. And I have been arrogant to think that, oh, this is too short. This isn't enough. I won't be able to get that much out of this. And God just keeps revealing because it's, it's an amazing book. It's a, it's living and it's active. So for me, it's nothing fancy. It really Mm -hmm. is journaling about it. It's praying over it. It's, you know, and when you're doing it for a full week, as you know, it stays in your mind. So you're able to, it's influencing your decisions and your thoughts throughout the day. And, um, I really think that's where we we finally be, were changed by it. Cause it's just in there. Yeah. I was in lamentations earlier this week 
And it was a familiar passage in three, right? Verses 23, 24, his mercies are new every morning, Mm -hmm. his compassion, they fail not. And I've camped on this word compassion, just in some personal study. And it's done exactly what you're talking about because the Hebrew word for compassion is like a womb that nurtures a child. Mm. And I'm like, you know, in our English word, isn't it? It's just gorgeous. I'm like, how many times have I read, studied, preached on that verse and never Mm -hmm. like camped on compassion? And I, I was going through something where I was feeling kind of low about myself. And I felt this idea and it's kind of weird when we say it in English, but this, like that God is like stroking me, like a woman strokes Mm -hmm. an unborn child. Like, Mm -hmm. um, like, like he doesn't, there's no separation. You can't separate this. Like, I'm just here until you're like this, the silence almost like I'm here until the, the, whatever is next is ready to be birthed. I don't know. It was just so much bigger than I'd ever experienced that verse before. And so that came to mind as you were talking, because when we spend a little time like that, I've thought about it all week long, right? All week long. I have thought about that. And the idea that, uh, that he loves me that way just was fresh and new. So yeah, yeah. 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 He just is able to speak such precious things Mm -hmm. to us when we will let him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you a couple of favorites. Maybe it's going to be hard. Someone who loves the word like you do. I know you have lots of favorites, but what are a couple of favorite verses maybe that come to mind for you that you, that you think about often, especially when the identity is questioned or the anxiety rises or those kind of things that happen to us all. Yes. Well, it's, um, one of my favorite verses and it's, I mean, it's so well-known it's not going to come across as anything, uh, you know, out of the ordinary, but as a, as a person who is very, um, hard on myself, you know, and I do find myself, Oh my goodness, I've fallen back into that again, or, you know, I've not done this right. And, and it, that when I started really realizing that I hadn't, I hadn't been loving God's word the way I should have been. And that's why I was struggling so much in my walk. Um, I was really condemning on my, you know, hard on myself and I still struggle with that. And so one of my go-to verses that I probably go through my head, it goes through my head every day is, you know, Romans eight, one and two, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And I mean, talk about abundance. Mm -hmm. You know, we are entirely free when we are in Christ and there, he does not condemn us. And so every time I want to go back and revisit my sin and beat myself up about it, that I, I didn't read my Bible this morning. I didn't, my quiet time was not very fruitful or I fell asleep again. I go to that verse again and again, because we have such a compassionate father. Yes. We are not condemned there. He is holding us like a mother holds the baby. I mean, it's just with such tenderness. And for me, instead of thinking on God as this disappointed, you know, distant man, he is a daddy that shows us such love and exchanges took, took our sin in exchange and gives us life and peace. I mean, that's abundance, Yes, you know, living in that life and Mm -hmm. peace, that freedom that he gives us is is precious to me yeah. on a daily yeah. basis. I love that so much. And I, you know, I just, I feel the, the urge to say, you know, if, if friend you that are listening, you don't have strong parental relationships. We've talked mm-hmm. about a mother and a womb and a child and a daddy. Uh, he is all of those things to us in the way that your parents should have been. Uh, if people have not loved you well, um, you can know that he, he loves you with no selfishness. He loves you with no motives he, except to love you. Right. Um, this is the purest form of all of those relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, so I love good. that Romans eight, anything else come to mind that you want to share? It's okay. Oh, if it doesn't, that's, that was good. Yeah. That was good. You see, yeah. 
I mean, there's so many. Yeah. I, I, I do a devotional every week and every week I say, now this is my favorite verse. This yeah. is my favorite. So every week without fail. On, so on Tuesday nights, we do a live, a Bible study with the verse that I was just talking about. Uh-huh. It's so funny. I have this, I have this team of ladies that we go live uh, and there's, we rotate, you know, they rotate with me and every once in a while they will say, I don't know if this verse will fill a half hour or not, you know, like uh-huh. we, do, we divide up the parts and stuff. And we laugh about that now yeah. because we've been doing it a year and a half or so, something like that. And never, ever, ever have we not had <laughs> enough to say about one verse exactly. of scripture to fill yeah. a half an hour Bible study. Yeah, yeah. Because they're so, and even if we could do the same or we could do the same Bible study again, right. we would find different things in there. Right. Just like you were saying, there's no yeah. end to this. Yes. Yeah, I absolutely. am every week. I am fascinated by yes. the one I'm reading. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned that you use some commentaries. I was just going to say in case our listeners, like, I don't really know what that is or where I would go. Right. So here on the page, um, we use the enduring word commentary a lot. Mm-hmm. That's there's an app for that. I love William Barclay for the New Testament. I like his writings. Mm-hmm. I use biblehub.com yes. sometimes. I like the website better than the app uh, for me. But what, what do you use? What are some mm-hmm. resources that you find when you're studying that are helpful apps well, or websites or books, whatever? Yes. This is a little bit of an investment, um, but I use Logos. Do um, you? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And so yes. it has... It's a, you know, a, it's a great software yes. that, mm-hmm. yeah, that I, I, actually I have got feelings of jealousy now on Christian. <laughs> it was like a gift. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so, um, but it has a lot of commentaries yeah. in one place. So I'm able to really dive into a lot of different perspectives and that's easier for me than, yes. you know, I have some big books that I, mm-hmm. but you know, I like to go work in a coffee shop and I can't lug those things with right. me. So yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Logos has been a, a godsend for me in studying mm-hmm. the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, what else are you, I always like to ask this question before I let my guests go, mm-hmm. if you would just give us a peek, I, we know that you're studying the word, but is there anything else that you're reading, listening to mm-hmm. podcasts, books, you're reading anything else that's just bringing you yeah. joy or life abundant right now? Yeah. Well, I'm not technically reading it at this moment, but I just finished, um, this, uh, biography about Elizabeth Elliot mm. becoming Elizabeth Elliot. And it's by Ellen Vaughn. And I'm not even like some people are Elizabeth Elliot fanatics. Um, if you're not familiar with her, she's a missionary woman that she's passed away now, but her life was just incredible. And, um, I'm not even a super fanatic, but I learned so much, not just about her, but I mean, it was powerful for me in so many ways in just what the Lord spoke to me through this book, um, becoming as Elizabeth Elliot by Ellen Vaughn. And the good news is in my opinion, there's two books and the second one's not out yet. So it's like the first half of her life when she was married to Jim Elliott, who's murdered by the, the natives they went to go minister to. And then the second half of her life, which is uh, the after, you know, as she got older and, and so it's a really thorough and well-researched and an engaging read. It, it was so compelling to me. I mean, I couldn't put it down. So I highly recommend it yeah. for those, you know, yeah. interested in a that. good, mm-hmm. I think, I think someone else had mentioned that to me, do I have this right? That there, there's some things that encouraging in there just because she did wrestle with God too. Yes. Like, there's some joy, yes. right. And I think that like what you're saying, like, cause we think of Elizabeth Elliot, if we know of her life and we kind of, I think we pedestal people, right. We're Absolutely. like, Oh, she, yeah, she forgave the people that murdered yes. her husband and all that. And that all that's true, but it wasn't without the wrestling, right. It, it wasn't. wasn't without the questioning. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of her journal in there. So you're really getting, and you see, you see her struggles. The author is very uh, straightforward about, she had weaknesses, of course, cause she's a, you know, a, a woman with struggles yeah. and sin yeah. and, and, and deep it, grief. 
and deep grief yeah. and, yeah. and struggles in ministry on, on the mission field. This was not a, this is not a glossed over version of anything. It really was true and deep and, and very powerful. Wonderful. A very good read. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited about this project for you. I really well, am. You. I have just adored this conversation. I really just appreciate your passion for the word, but also just your willingness to to let us into your life and, and let us all, I don't know, give ourselves more grace. I think the invitation to give ourselves more grace, because this is a process and he uses us in the process and there is no condemnation and uh, just such wonderful, wonderful reminders, Hannah today. Thank you so much. So yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. Hannah can be found at hannahseahall.com. And I will link that in today's show notes. And her new project is thirst 12 weeks of drinking deeply from God's word. And you can find that wherever books are sold. And I will also put that in today's show notes and truly friend, all the best to you with this project as you launch it into the world. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to be here today with you. And thank you friend for listening until next time. Peace. I have a deep respect for Hannah and her work. And I hope our chat today inspired you to perhaps dig a little deeper into the word of God for yourself. It would be my immense honor to serve you as you study. And if you're interested, I encourage you to sign up for my weekly newsletter so that you receive the step-by-step study resources, the video and the study guide for this and every week's Bible verse. And if you're interested in learning more about step-by-step, you will find a link for the free masterclass in today's show notes. Romans 8.1 again, this time from the message paraphrase. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. Next week, my guest will be Rachel Harrington, and she will join us to talk about what it means to approach God with a childlike heart to establish friendship with him. If you have an extra second today, please consider rating and or reviewing this podcast. That does so much to help other people find us. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you are walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.